Hi, uh, welcome to Pop Brain. Um, my name is Richard, and I'm here with Danny Hayworth, who is um, familiar to you already, uh, if you're listening to this. Um, international superstar, um, writer, poet, critic, um, thinker. And we're talking about this, we're talking about a kind of a particular section of a book called Wound Building, um, which is uh, write, working notes on immediacy, a question of like what immediacy is in, uh, I guess like what immediacy is in art more generally. Um, I'm going to try and link it, at least at the beginning, back to a discussion of how that relates to pop culture. Um, but then, of course, beyond that, uh, the conversation, like every conversation, will hopefully go in directions that are completely unexpected to, to everyone involved. Um, but I want to start with one particular sentence, which is not in that part of the chapter, not in that part of the book, but in another chapter, which is um, Eliot, that is T.S. Eliot. You're talking about different modes of idiomatic immediacy. Um, could enjoy the transformation of reality into the symbol of its vacuity because of who he was. So hopefully kind of getting into this sentence and unpacking what it means for reality to be transformed to a symbol of its vacuity um, might be kind of useful uh, as a starting point. And also the question of like, who is Eliot and why does it matter who people are in terms of how they enjoy uh, the transformation of uh, reality into a symbolic uh, a symbol of vacuity? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, great. I get to describe who T.S. Eliot was. Um, T.S. Eliot was a, a banker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> banker first of all and then and then and then a poet um, and uh, latterly a uh, Anglican reactionary um, I think the reason um, I suggested that he could enjoy the transformation of like, the urban space that he seems to be describing in some of his early poetry into like symbols of his own feelings of internal emptiness is that he didn't really live in them or at least didn't need to live in them as a uh, rich uh, expat um, uh, poet who um, was trying to develop from the resources of French symbolism uh, like new English language poetry. So the deserted streets that he like moves through in those early early poems and the kind of tawdriness and like vileness and rundownness that characterizes them doesn't have to mean anything to him um, uh, other than what he um, uh, feels is representative of his own inner life. He has no other connection to those streets or to the people who live in them. Um, I was thinking about this earlier and um, the other kind of instance of this kind of representation of like urban working class street life which stands out to me is the paintings of Lowry, right? Yep. Where you similarly see a kind of um, atmospherically reproduced urban environment um, usually observed from above mm. in which actual human beings and actual lives are kind of reduced to little um, affectively uh, motivating splodges of injury yep. or um, illness um, or some other kind of physical and subjective devastation. Um, 
if you actually um, live the life that is represented, then probably you don't want it to be seen that way or don't see yourself in those terms. Now, something in terms of kind of pop culture, like how you see something, an artist like um, Burial fitting into this, this canon. Um, Beryl's work is often said to be evocative of like London at night. That's kind of the, mm-hmm. and particularly that kind of deserted streets, um, at least the early work mm. is. I was wondering if you have any kind of thoughts about how that might connect to a kind of a production of aesthetic of acuity that means people don't really have to kind of embody those particular positions. Right. Not that I think that's the whole of Beryl's work, but like that. No, I'm glad you asked me that because I feel like I don't really know anything about pop culture, but I did listen to Beryl quite recently and reread that. Um, famous interview with him by Mark Fisher so yeah. he's relatively like fresh in my memory I think one distinction between um, uh, Burial and his conception of his own music as a kind of um, kind of dubstep flaneurism and mm. Elliot is that um, there is a sort of immediate sympathy for the snatches and flashes of working class life that are encountered in burial. Um, whereas um, in Eliot, um, the whole reality that is described, insofar as there is a reality that is described in the like, yellowing wallpaper and the um, sickening smog of like, early 20th century. Um, London is conscripted to um, the purpose of uh, expressing the feelings of misery, aimlessness or internal vacuity of the poet himself. There's obviously a danger in in Beryl's music of a sort of lapse into an abstract sentimentalism which itself can come out of a kind of observational attachment to other people's lives, which again um, relies on the preservation of a certain kind of distance. Um, but that danger to me feels like one that could be sustained in the context of an art or a pop music which is politically and aesthetically sympathetic, whereas for me, like the Elliot orientation seems like an enemy orientation and that was why I tried to describe it. In a way it's a kind of um, er form, at least within like English language poetry, of an enemy position which still seems to be important. And um, why is it important? Like, what, what, you, you wrote in the book that it kind of spreads out or kind of grows mm. into lots of other kinds of um, artworks uh, or kind of becomes a kind of a maybe even kind of just a common language people use to describe a certain kind of vacuity across um, music and image and text and so on. Um, where do you see those traces of this kind of enemy language in contemporary culture very broadly, not just necessarily pop culture, but you know, kind of you know, mm-hmm. contemporary pop poetry and so on? Mm-hmm. I think at the time that I wrote um, uh, those theses, I was thinking about a lot of contemporary poetry that imagined for itself um, sometimes in language, sometimes um, via collaboration with like, visual forms or with computer game designers, um, abstract, empty, geometrical spaces as spaces of expression. And I was thinking about um, the role of um, apparently objective, um, empty spaces as subjective, expressive elements in poetry. And I was curious about how 
um, the city itself or an urban environment in which you might live might itself be kind of metamorphosed or transformed into a um, geometrically defined empty space so as to produce a sort of pseudo-empiricism or pseudo-reality. In other words, um, I, I had this feeling that um, uh, that some poetry that was being written and maybe also like some pop music that's being made um, is reliant on the gesture of um, a sort of expressionist subjectivism which is made to masquerade as an engagement with actual physical reality of an urban environment. Um, so by converting um, uh, this symbol of your own internal despair or depression or emptiness, the geometrical empty space, into some version or proxy for the city that you might live in, you disguise your kind of bourgeois depressive expressionism as something else. And those, those spaces are not just merely kind of physical spaces of the urban environment, they're also spaces digitally, right? kind of blank, white, empty spaces of music videos, right? where the, the sole artist appears, mm -hmm. um, immensely expressive in comparison to the uh, artificial emptiness of the environment in which they yeah. find themselves. Yeah, I mean, and this is, this is a few years ago now already, so maybe the references begin to seem already a little bit outdated, but I suppose like vaguely in my mind I had... Um, some of the kind of really like world scale um, uh, pop trap music of that moment in my mind um, uh, like you could think about the this, this sort of stuff that um, Drake and Future were doing five or six years ago um, uh, the like, pre like presentation of a musical reality which by means of various technologies of um, uh, distortion and reverb sort of project outwards this like drugged um, and um, like immobilized um, internal subjective state and yeah you're right of course like, uh, the, the, the uh, artifact of the music video is like totally central to the achievement of these kinds of effects in like high budget music this is also this kind of case for say the weekend right more kind of recently um the video for sacrifice for example involves him these this this collective a group of people um kind of in a circle doing these extraordinarily technically proficient dance music dance moves um and then him the weekend somewhere else in a completely abstract um space that has a grid on the floor and as he's kind of stepping doing the one dance move he knows how to do he's um stepping on these 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 grids and each one of them individually is lighting up he's kind of moving towards the camera mm. um and there's a kind of a, a distinction there between the uh perhaps what you might call the idiomatically um, immediate and or surrogate immediacy mm -hmm. rather um, that is the kind of the, the fakeness the, the, the faking of a certain universality mm. with the um, much more kind of dense rich collectivity that is expressed by the that particular group of people who are nevertheless in their own way are kind of choreographed by the music video yeah right no of course and like, so obviously all of that like capital intensive music relies on the employment basically, sometimes the direct employment, sometimes the indirect employment of um, uh, like forms of usually mostly working class, often mostly the black working, uh, 
cultural expression, musical expression, that themselves on their own um, can't achieve the same kind of global commodity status as the music artifact that they end up contributing to. Um, uh, so the geometrical space is also a sort of uh, container space into which um, external inputs need to be inserted in order for it to achieve the effects that it does. That's exactly, yeah, I think it's exactly right. Like I um, think when I think about this kind of abstraction away from any kind of social reality um, towards a kind of more capital intensive music, mostly of K-pop, which um, in some ways was able to attain exactly the kind of the global commodity status that you're talking about because it was able to abstract away from and kind of de-racialize and then re-racialize a collection of cultural artifacts, uh, cultural kind of uh, forms of expression um, that were principally um, uh, black culture from around the world. Um, and then like make them into this non-intimidating, um, non-sexually uh, kind of threatening in the kind of the you know, imaginary of kind of racism um, version where the... Um, where like all the kind of the tropes or all the kind of technical expressions of blackness mm. um, as they found themselves in kind of hip-hop and so on mm. could be um, divulged or squeezed out of their um, yeah their, their kind of threateningness in the, in, in the racial imaginary and then re-inscribed with a kind of pure technicality that is is the racialization of um, kind of uh, Asian Americans or East Asians right in the, in the, the kind of again the kind of racist imaginary mm. the kind of transformation of uh, yeah um yeah, kind of movement between these two things. Mm. Um, let's go back to the kind of the very beginning of the um, the stakes of the argument, which is that you. So maybe I'll read the kind of the the part of the um, thing that struck me as most kind of like like a manifesto or like like kind of a statement of manifesto, which is um, well, there are several parts parts of this. Um, that there is a there is switching between overwhelming immediacy, surrogate immediacy particular immediacy and etc all of which are modes a realist art today needs to be able to teach itself to switch between them and switching of this type is our Vertemdung's effect um, mm -hmm. maybe I should say briefly what the Vertemdung's effect is right? it's a concept from Brecht um, which is about the uh, alienation effect I think it's literally the translation mm -hmm. uh, it's a way in which uh, people consuming art or people consuming um yeah, aesthetic commodities are uh, made to become aware that, that is what they are doing, rather than being involved in the kind of the flow of expressivity that the the artwork in the mm -hmm. let's say kind of Stanislavskian mode um, that comes immediately before Brecht in history of theatre um, expresses. It's kind of a way of pulling you out of the uh, the experience of immediacy um, and showing that the immediacy you're experiencing is somehow faked, and this is in Brecht a kind of politicization act. It's a very bad summary of the Vertonung's effect, but it's like... It's <laughs> so, the, so, the, so the manifesto aspect here is is that what you're declaring a realist art, I don't know if you're affirming realist art or not, that's kind of unclear to me, um, needs to be able to switch between different modes of immediacy, overwhelming immediacy, surrogate immediacy, particular immediacy, mm -hmm. etc., and universal immediacy as well, which is the, it's almost the goal of a certain radical art. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I, but all of those, all of those like, terms kind of buffed up, aren't they? And probably seem a bit confusing. Um, universal immediacy, surrogate immediacy, etc., etc. I'm not. I say somewhere else in that, this book that I don't really know what immediacy is. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is also true. Um, I think 
to come back to the discussion about Eliot, um, the one way of describing the kind of fake urban reality that that poetry leans on is as a surrogate immediacy. And a surrogate immediacy is a way of converting um, completely conventional bourgeois states, feelings of isolation, um, uh, loss of connection into some description of the world. Um, I talk about like immediacy just as something more like um, the effects that you might associate with popular art, not necessarily um, popular art which appears on a world scale, but maybe the kind of popular art that you find in different genres of rap which are associated with particular cities, yeah. like the emergence of um, popular forms not through um, design but through a sort of collective process of collaborative work and association that takes place organically and through sequences of accidents which are hard in retrospect to explain um, so that immediacy also is not exactly immediate in the sense that it relies on its own history which is intensely regional um, and has to do with all kinds of things which um, historians and musicologists scratch their heads over but I mean if you are from the place where that music is made you know it and you understand it even if you can't explain how it came to be in that sense it feels to you immediate I guess I'm thinking about the feeling of immediacy rather than the reality of the thing and then like universal immediacy I guess you could just describe as capital mediated immediacy of the sort that we were talking about a moment ago when we were talking about the world famous pop star rapper as a sort of curator gatherer of inputs from the whole um, diverse world of production sort of um, delivery for music culture which is capable of extending its tentacles into uncapitalized or paracapitalist forms of collective production um, it's Diplo, right? Like probably the most famous kind of example of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, all of those things um, are like phenomena of contemporary music culture. Obviously, I'm trying to think about poetry. Um, I suppose what I was trying to do is to like take some distance in the first place from a position which I think is quite widespread um, in contemporary poetry, which um, identifies the power of contemporary music but then sort of kowtows to it and um, relinquishes its own claim on social effects or like expressive force um, so poetry just becomes a sort of um, commentary on for example uh, how excited the poet is when they listen to music rather than attempt to do something which is itself exciting um, so I was trying to think through the ways in which different kinds of immediacy, as I just described them, rely on different kinds of histories, divisions of labour, presence or absence of capital as a power of organisation. Um, and then to try to reflect on how um, people writing poetry might try and subjectively like take on um, those objective relations. Um, so I'm not saying it's like easy as a poet to make something which has universal immediacy when that is the characteristic of a Hollywood film or a pop song which has been produced 
effectively by thousands of people by the time that you get to the thing on YouTube with the music video attached. Um, but I'm interested in the sort of polemical proposition of that as a, as a goal or an impossible aim um, that might be thought through um, and made into an objective of um, poetic communication. Um, and I'm interested in the way in which that position might then enter into some kind of conflict with this sort of resigned recognition of the artisanal character of poetry as a um, basically outmoded form that can only reflect on the more expressively potent or like meaningful or immediate forms of contemporary music. How do you see the question of the like stakes of kind of shifting or what you describe as kind of fighting towards universal immediacy in that context kind of playing out in in the question of how we respond to the seemingly kind of inevitable division of labour that uh, attends the production of that universality? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think like all, um, all artists, whatever mode they're working in, um, have to fight against the subordination of their art to the apparatus of... Um, uh, recuperation and spectacle that is contemporary capitalist art that system obviously relies on um, free inputs as it were from self-organised production cultures yeah. and communities um, and everywhere I think where you find vital collective production cultures and the spontaneous emergence of um what I call them immediacies, but which I suppose you could also call like distinctive styles. You find people fighting against um, the inevitable inevitable attempt of the of like value apparatus to recuperate and to own whatever is powerful in the forms that they have generated. Um, so I think poets, poetry communities with their own emergent and collectively marked styles have to fight. Um, for um, uh, an expressive world where they are not recuperated and stepped upon. It's obviously easier to do that um, if you're in a poetry community than you are in a um, vital um, uh, uh, working class uh, music making community because there isn't a global capitalist market for poetry in the same sense that there is for rap music for example yeah. um, but certain aspects I think of the self-organized um, practice of um, collective artistic cultures are similar across the domains and I think it would be a mystification to say that they aren't I don't know if that answers your question at all. I, th- I think the question was very poorly phrased, so uh, it probably does uh, in the objective sense, but I, uh, I um, maybe not in the, in the sense that I meant the question, but mm. the, that's my fault for not getting it out in the right way. Um, the way in which this, uh, in, in which kind of particular immediacies are replaced by surrogate immediacies goes mm. through quite a, kind of a, right. a series of steps that mm. you outline in, in the essay. Mm. Um, by which a kind of a hatred for the, cl- the, the categories of political analysis takes on something like a, um, a compulsion effect or is kind of replaced by a compulsion effect. Mm-hmm. 
there's a kind of first there's like there's an attack on uh, the institutionalized categories of political analysis, mm-hmm. um, and like the the artist kind of experience or the, 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 the middle class art consumer perhaps experiences a kind of a alienation from those categories. Mm-hmm. Then they hate those categories, mm-hmm. and the hatred is resolved uh, by means of uh, attack on all forms of particular immediacy in favour of a kind of a surrogate immediacy or in, in favour of a kind of a expression of vacuity. Mm-hmm. The example you give here again is, is half-deserted streets, right? Which we've not been um, absent of in, in the last kind of two years of, mm-hmm. of, of lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Off. So um, so the, the, the sequence is that alienation is produced or processed into a surrogate immediacy, basically. Mm-hmm. And those surrogate immediacies are then expressed in, in, in artworks. So, or... And, and this is organised under a... You describe this as um, scepticism allegorised as evocative vacancy. Mm-hmm. So how does the... Um, how does a compulsion effect arise from from this, as opposed to a compulsion? Because you distinguish between these two things. Like, so a compulsion is a... Um, the example you give is someone like who is kind of being... Um, um, uh, assaulted by the like the job centre and the mm-hmm. kind of demands for... Um, you have certain kinds of bureaucratic uh, inputs, um, but the uh, the example you give of, of of these kind of compulsion effects is that one is kind of doomed to a certain uh, vacuous universality. So how, how does the how do these things how does that kind of process work? I guess. Yeah, I don't think I describe it like this in the book, but then thinking about it in terms of what you were saying is the the fundamental process is a kind of like turning turning inside out, right? So it's yeah. the projection outwards of. Um, of interiorized pain, which anyone is capable of feeling, whatever their um, uh, biographical circumstances, um, and the conversion of that interiorized pain into um, a sort of um, metaphysical botched pseudo pseudo environment, which is usually an urban environment, the city. Um, uh, in that process, pain, which is felt internally, um, comes to seem like a property of the geometrical external environment which is being constructed so it feels like something which is being pushed in upon the person or the subject rather than something which is like emerging out of them and in that sense becomes like a kind of compulsion is a compulsion effect and that i was suggesting has a certain kind of ideological utility or um purpose in the sense that um it allows for the obfuscation of the um, specificity of social suffering. Like, if everybody finds themselves in a geometrical environment um, defined by emptiness, blurriness, um, imprecision, um, and if everyone feels that they um, suffer its compulsion in some way, then um, the particular ex- experience of oppression of classes or racialized groups or people who find themselves subjected to particular kinds of experiences for example in urban environments that exploit migrant laborers or urban environments um, which um, just about reproduce um, a miserable um, subclass of unemployed people um, ceases to be really visible Uh, and in that sense the whole exercise um, that I'm describing could be regarded as a sort of culture-wide, um, uh, capitalist society-wide means of dealing with a sort of guilt, um, 
at the obvious inequitable distribution of suffering and cruelty in our societies. Um, that suffering is like, totally obvious, unavoidable, impossible to look away from. Um, uh, as such, no one can ignore it, but at the same time it is inequitably distributed, um, equally manifestly. And so there, there emerges this kind of desire to not change that reality, but just um, assert that everyone is suffering in the same way. And you get this sort of um, distorted or mutated vision of real social suffering in the, um, uh, as I call them, universally immediate sounds of like some recent pop music. Um, in which like suffering, like mental disorientation, feelings of alienation, um, uh, become these like seductive but um, powerfully like non-precise or non-specific states of being or reality. That's almost exactly a description of, of lots of the kind of pop music that we've been thinking about. Um, maybe the person who I think pulls away from this best is Kanye, Kanye West, who's um, who, 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 with a particularity of his suffering which is real and extremely deep, um, as far as I can tell, uh, is nevertheless completely um, particular to him. There's never an attempt to universalise anything that Kanye West experiences. Mm -hmm. And partially this is a, a feature of his own undeniable egoism, um, perhaps even kind of, you know, kind of megalomania, right? Mm -hmm. um, and therefore it would be absurd to him that anyone else would feel the same things that he... Uh, feels and therefore there's a kind of way in which the artist kind of, kind of pulls back from mm. um, evocation of anything like a kind of a, a collective uh -huh. uh, only because he's so kind of it's like what Trotsky says about Mayakovsky that he suffers from Mayakomorphism right yeah yeah Kanye suffers from Kanye yeah 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 Kanye morphism yeah yeah so um and so the strategy is something like a a or the strategy you kind of discuss is, is the fighting towards mm. universality in defiance of the objective barriers that are placed upon it. Yeah, okay, well, so like, I I think I, I, I get the question you're asking better now. So I, like, I, I think um, uh, like self-organised poetry communities, for example, start from particular places. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those places are universities, but not only there. Um, self-organised music communities start from particular places often at the moment um, those are um, the like inner cities of the major conurbations in, yep. for example the UK historically that hasn't always been the case sometimes it's been smaller towns or smaller cities places with a post-industrial mm. um, uh, kind of atmosphere um, but the point is that um, the emergence of collective uh, styles in the first place, something which is collectively owned and which comes out through the interaction of individuals within scenes or communities, um, is marked by the histories of like, particular places and locations and times. Um, I don't just want to like, affirm the value of DIY culture. Um, uh, I am from Coventry, the art I will make will forever be um, the art of Coventry and nothing else. I am from, uh, I don't know, the Bronx and da-da-da-da-da. Um, to, to me, the limitations of that 
um, worldview are obvious, although I obviously also feel that like, more that is um, vital and close to the ground of living historical experience comes from that kind of DIY mindset. But I am interested in culture which emerges in the first place out of those kinds of spaces and environments, trying to find some way to imagine itself into a position where it is also universally communicative, has a kind of claim on world culture in the same way that the pop music you're talking about, which is supported by massive capital investment, has a claim on world culture. And that is a, um, like I said before, um, impossibilistic or wrong or um, improbable thing to want for um, a localized, self-organized, usually like proletarianized culture, because um, because the reason why it is those things are objective and have to do with divisions of labor um, and capital as a system of control over labor. Um, but still, I think the moment at which DIY cultures become um, connected to some like current and revolutionary um, like artistic and political thinking is the moment where they try to imagine how they can be generalized in spite of or against capital and its division of labors. So I don't have a recipe for how that would work. I don't, I don't know if any culture um, has ever done this, but it feels to me like this is important to express as a horizon because otherwise there is no aesthetic political alternative to me from the perspective of DIY culture besides either a kind of siloing we are from here we will forever be from here and we just try not to sell out or selling out um, accepting as inevitable and permanent the social arrangements that currently allow world culture to emerge and to circulate so at the at the expense of giving a kind of stupid and trivial example um isn't this in some ways what um global meme culture does in that it starts from a locality that is not a locality of particular places, right? The mm. locality is it's kind of transfigured by the internet. Mm. Um, and in a particular Discord servers, particular forums, particular parts of Reddit, particular kind of like, mm. you know. And nevertheless, in, that, in those locations, manages to express what it is to be that kind of particular person mm-hmm. in a, an immediate and extremely accessible way to the other people in that community, mm-hmm. which then circulates through, again, you know, obviously kind of massive capital uh, investments in like, you know, um, uh, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, and so mm-hmm. on, like where, where you know, WhatsApp, where memes circulate. But nevertheless, that by a process of something like a generalization, but not a process, I think of of extracting from a um, not to, not totally violent process of kind of just like just crushing the particularity that from which they emerge. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, become globally accessible um, linguistic. Uh, Kind of objects to be kind of referred to, kind of discussed, and so on. The same thing you might imagine, um, for example, like jokes doing or rumors doing in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I guess like what immediately stands out for me is that the meme is like the most degraded form imaginable. It's like it's very difficult to own because it's so elementary. Yeah. Image text. It's like two two components. It's like it's like the water of of culture, um, right? Obviously, you can you can own water, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's harder to privatize water than it is, I don't know, um, crude oil, yeah. for example. Um, uh, the production process of which um, is, in general, a bit more specialized and complicated, and requires more 
materials. Um, so I think there's, there is, I, like, I'm, I try to avoid the terms simple and complex in this discussion of immediacy. I think it's true that um, what I am describing as locally immediate is in no way simple. Um, like I say, they're, they're usually styles and styles only emerge through processes of collective interaction. You could say like cultural evolution, which is so complex that even the most gifted participants don't have a worked out or articulated account yeah. of like how it is that they came to sound or to speak in the way that they do. Um, uh, but precisely because of their complexity, they're easier in some ways to um, plunder, perhaps, than the meme, um, which um, kind of falls through the fingers of capital as an apparatus like sand. And one account of the development of capital as a social institution is the kind of closing of its pores, right? So that less and less is able to get through. But mean, mean, the most basic and degraded things still are to a certain extent. Um, uh, it's possible to privatize, I don't know, um, a particular kind of seed, um, but not the chemical formula for water. Um, uh, there is a level at which um, uh, commodity reality like struggles to assert itself. And that maybe is true in the world of culture and art um, uh, expression just as it is in material reality more widely defined I don't know I'm making all this up as I go along that's great no this is good this is the spirit of the, uh, the show for sure and um, what do you mean by degraded um, in the first instances like just as simple but I guess I guess um, uh, the um, Maybe it would be better to say degradable. Like you can pick apart what makes up a meme um, uh, quite easily, whereas um, a gifted musicologist might struggle to pick apart um, what makes up the style of, I don't know, London drill, um, for example, um, beyond the identification of a few superficial markers. Um, uh, so now we're talking about like biodegradable. <laughs> forms um i i think like this opens out onto a whole other discussion about like simplicity and complexity which is really interesting to me but which is separate from the um thinking about immediacy that i was trying to pursue and when i try and hold them too closely together i get confused um so i, I don't i don't have any clear answers you don't want to be a record questions. of your confusion not existing on the internet mm -hmm. <laughs> Here it is. Only extraordinary clarities uh, must be posted. The last thing in, 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 the, in the essay is, is, or the last paragraph is, materialist expressionism. Today must find a way to make use of the crude assertion that while bourgeois art makes immediacy seem as if it were structural, mm -hmm. a radical art has to make structure feel immediate. Mm -hmm. What's a materialist expressionism? Uh, yeah, okay, so like, we've been talking a lot about mar Marxism, right? Well, like Marxist categories. <laughs> I guess sure, I'm a yeah. Marxist. Um, yeah. uh, so an expressionism or an orientation towards immediacy that doesn't think that anything is really immediate, um, anything is really uh, elementary, right? Um, in every form of expression which is capable of being immediately felt, like I, like I said earlier, there are um, complicated 
histories and sets of social preconditions. Um, and those can be defined for different kinds of felt immediacy, whether those be the felt immediacies of um, uh, pop music, which is listened to billions of times on YouTube, or the immediacy of um, a um, form of a poetry which has emerged through the collaboration of four or five people who are just thinking together intensely over a certain period of time. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean by materialist. And then um, uh, in terms of stru structure and immediacy, I guess maybe it's more or less clear from the thing about T.S. Eliot what I mean by um, uh, making um, immediacy into a structure is this kind of what I call surrogate immediacy where um, uh, you get a pseudo um, social environment, urban environment um, in which degradation, impoverishment and emptiness are really just proxies for internal states which have been projected outwards. Um, I think that's that's um, always a bourgeois um, cultural position slumming it, even when it is expressed by um, a kind of capitalist culture industry which wants to associate itself with images of proletarian life or blackness or whatever. Um, in terms of making like structure media, I don't know like the, what the opposite of that would be, but um, but I'm just I'm just interested in um, uh, try, trying to find some way to like, invert the processes of the bourgeois culture. So um, the, the, the essay which these theses or like, thought experiments is connected with um, deals with some poetry by Keston Sutherland and by Jane Cortez and by um, Amiri Baraka and Bernadette Mayer, all of whom I think are trying to think about how structures can be made immediate, but in very different ways. And I'm not competent to summarize um, uh, their different positions, and maybe it would be illegitimate in any case to assign positions to them. But that I think there are ways in which the poetry of each of them might represent a sort of counter model to the um, enemy position that do you feel more comfortable saying out in abstract terms? Great, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me onto the show. <laughs> <laughs>